What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Assuming no one gets traded in the middle of this record, here's what we're going to talk about today. I want to give some extended thoughts on Robert Covington. Uh, I talked a little bit about it sort of in last night's episode in real time as he was being traded as I was recording the show. But I want to now with, you know, 24 hours removed from that, give you some some uh, more thoughts on the newest Blazer. In the second segment, I want to talk about Rodney Hood, who has not picked up his player option for next season and has entered free agency. And finally, we'll close the show talking about the schedule specifics the NBA released the schedule and uh, the play-in game specifics, and we'll talk about that. The the timeline, specific timeline the league has uh, has laid out for us, and the new play-in format and how it will impact seeds 7 through 10 in each conference. We are not talking about the NBA draft tonight because the Blazers have traded their first-round pick, and me pretending I know a lot about second-round picks in the NBA draft would be a mistake. Well, it might not be a mistake, but it would be a little bit dishonest. But the NBA draft is coming. By the time you're listening to this, the NBA draft is just hours away. And that means that you can tune into the Locked On Podcast Network for live draft coverage this year. It'll be on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, all at Locked On Live. It's the only place you can find Chad Ford and his draft analysis on draft night. And Chad will be joined by Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, David Locke, the namesake of this here network, and the host of Locked On Jazz and Locked On NBA, it's the most in-depth draft coverage of the night. It also features some analysis from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, and you can follow all of that. Locked on Live is on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Make sure you follow them on whatever social channel you prefer so you can get alerts as soon as we go live. The reason the Blazers don't have a draft pick and your boy's not going to be on the draft show is because the Blazers traded that 16th pick for Robert Covington, sent Number 16 in this year's draft, a protected first-round pick in the 2021 draft, and Trevor Ariza to Houston exchange for Robert Covington. And I was doing a mailbag episode last night, and a bunch of listeners were asking about Robert Covington trades. And literally, I I, I basically just wrapped recording, wrapped up that recording, and I checked the my Twitter feed, and there was Adrian Wojnarowski saying that the Blazers had acquired Robert Covington. Those dear listeners were right, but I feel like in sort of the real time that uh, I reacted to it, maybe I didn't give uh, Rocco enough extended thoughts to give my, I don't know if it's a take, but at least my thoughts on uh, the Blazers' acquisition of the 30-year-old forward. You know what? Bob Covington doesn't turn 30 until the middle of December. He'll be 30 when the season starts. He's 29 now. Apologize. Getting ahead of myself, Robert. I'm not trying to age you. So my thoughts on the trade. First, um... I am not of the opinion that this was an overpay. I understand two first-round picks may seem like a lot for a role player, but Robert Robert Covington is maybe one of the best role players in the league. Like, he's just, he's never going to be a star, but he is truly, truly an elite role player, one of the one of the elite role players in, in, in the NBA. Uh, I don't think that draft capital is particularly worth it. And if you've been listening to my podcast for the last month, it's because it, it follows the things I've been saying. I don't think the Blazers need young guys. They don't need developmental parts. They don't need a 19, 20, 21-year-old who's going to develop into something special in the next two years. They need someone who can help right now. And that's exactly what they got. If the price of that is the 16th pick in this draft, and if the Bla- you assume the Blazers are going to be pretty good, so it's something like 16 to 22 in next year's draft, there is 
very little chance for my money, just, you know, throwing a dart, that the Blazers will get a better player than Robert Covington with either of those picks. Uh, They certainly won't, certainly 16 in this draft isn't going to be a more impactful player than Robert Covington is this year. If if it if it turns out that way, if whoever goes 16th, if whoever Houston takes with the 16th pick or whoever that pick winds up at the end of draft night is better than Robert Covington, send me this, send me this audio. I'll I'll be happily eat my shoe or whatever, eat crow. So I don't think it's an overpay. Uh Covington is way better than a reason um, a major upgrade there. The reason why I like the Covington deal just beyond sort of the the fact that he's a high level role player is because he is he is exactly the thing the Blazers have sort of been missing since Al Farouk Aminu except this and by that I mean a a guy who's like a versatile four who can slide up and play the three he played crazy small ball five a little bit and was a pretty good rim protector for Houston he's not going to have that role with the Blazers but it allows the Blazers to scale down they were trying to play big a lot last year or at least the plan was to play big a lot and even the bubble they had to play big a lot because that's the roster that they had but they were always better and they would go to crunch time lineups almost always in, in Orlando with Carmelo Anthony at the five and Robert Covington is just a better fit than Carmelo Anthony he's a better fit at four than Carmelo he's a better three than Trevor Ariza, he's a better fit at four than Zach Collins. Like he just, he just, he allows other guys to play their spots. Now the Blazers, we'll talk about the second segment, might not have Rodney Hood back, which I think does complicate things because I, not that I think there's a big distinction between Covington as a three versus Covington as a four, but I think he's better off playing as like a spacing four and starting guarding fours as opposed to being your elite wing stopper. And that's the thing I really want to talk about here. He's a really good defensive player. Really, really good defensive player. But the thing I keep thinking about is that first round series against OKC this year when uh, those games would come down to the wire and Chris Paul would hunt Robert Covington on switches. Now, getting hunted on switches is not exactly the hallmark of an elite defender. And it's because that's not what Covington does really, really well. He's not super speedy and and like lock locks guys down one on one. That's why one of the great late game, one of the great you know clutch performers of of the year last year, Chris Paul was hunting his ass every time he could in that series. Run a million switches, get the guy you want, and go at him. And the guy they wanted on that Rockets team was Covington because Chris Paul knew he could get past him. What Covington is is just an elite team defender. He's a really smart help defender. He's long enough to get in passing lanes. He does a lot of smart things on defense, but he isn't. He should not be viewed as this elite lockdown defender. I think he will help the Blazers on defense. I I, I um, anticipate they will be significantly better on defense this year. Will they be an above average, you know, top 10 team? No, but I think they can move somewhere in that 16, 17, 18 range. And if they're just sort of like slightly below average on defense and maintain their elite offense, then they're going to be really good. And, and Covington helps on both ends in that way. He's a complimentary part on defense as a really smart defender, and he's a complimentary part on offense. Now he's, and by that, I mean, he's he's not an elite shooter. He's like this three and D. He's a three and D prototype who's not an elite defender and not an elite shooter, but he is a valuable defender and a valuable shooter. He's a, a career 36% three-point shooter, 35.6 if you really want to crush the box score, which is slightly below league average, basically right at league average of the last couple seasons. Uh, he's been above average a couple times in his career. You know, he shot uh, 38% in uh in Philly or 39% from 3 in Philly in 2018 he shot 37% the previous season with in Philly and uh 
so he's he's teetered right above league average before. But I think more importantly is he lets it fly. Even before he joined the Rockets, where you're allowed to just shoot an insane number of threes at all time, he was averaging for his career uh, more than four threes per game. In fact, playing with the Houston Rockets lowered the number of three-point attempts he takes per game just because he got fewer shots playing with James Harden. Friend of the show, Kevin Pelton, has taught me that volume shooting, willingness to shoot, actually spaces the floor, you know, creates more gravity because guys will will go out to you. Willingness to shoot creates more space than than just straight up making shots. And that willingness to shoot will create more space than Zach Collins does, more space than Al Farouk Aminu did. I think Robert Covington is an, is an upgrade at that spot, better than the Blazers have played with in the post-Lamarcus era. That's how good I think he can be. He's not going to be this super stud on either end of the floor, but he's a really valuable role player. And the Blazers crashed, cashed in two mid-first-round picks, very likely, and another 35-year-old role player to get a guy who's just a better role player. Best-case scenario with those two picks, you get someone as good as Covington. The Blazers didn't wait for the best-case scenario. They went and got it themselves. I really like the trade. I'm not going nuts and saying that this, you know, pushes the Blazers into the upper echelon in the West and makes them a true contender, but this improved their team. Their team is better after this trade, no doubt about it. Here's the one issue. The Blazers upgraded at the wing, upgraded at a guy who can play three and a little bit of four, or maybe four and a little bit of three, we'll see. But they lost a valuable wing, at least for the near term. Rodney Hood has not decided not to pick up his player option has entered free agency. What does that mean for the Blazers? That's what we'll talk about in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. You know Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's it. That's the trick. That's what they're doing over there at Built Bar. They've made you the best protein bar that there is. It just tastes great. They sent me a box of these things. They barely survived a week. I like them. My family likes them. I'm willing to wager you'll like them too. All the bars, every single one of their 18 amazing flavors are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. If you have messed with other protein bars in the past, you know they can be chalky and dry and gross, not delicious. Well, that's not what Bill Bar's doing. They're making a, a delicious protein bar. They're not messing around. And if the deliciousness doesn't sell you, how about this? They're all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-in-fiber. Take, for instance, the peanut butter flavor, personal favorite of mine. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 net carbs. It's a pretty good deal. Tastes great, too. Get your hands on some of these bars. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. So we talked about Robert Covington. I gave you my extended thoughts on the trade. He, Bob Covington deserved 10 minutes. The Blazers made a really solid deal. The Blazers got better, and I wanted to give I wanted to give my full range, my full range of thoughts in one space. So thank you for allowing me that time. But there's other real like real news in Blazerland today. Legitimately real news. Rodney Hood had a player option on his contract that he signed a one plus one last year with, you know, last year was guaranteed and then a player option for this year. And he has declined that player option for $6 million and is entering free agency. This is pretty surprising to me. It surprised me to, for several reasons. One, Rodney Hood said he wanted to be back and he'd always thought he would be back. 
Two, he's coming off an Achilles injury. Is he is 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 he likely to make more than six million dollars on the open market? That would be really something. I'd be rather surprised to learn that. I had seen some speculation in Blazerland by some some members of Blazer Media that this was expected, and to that I say, hell no, it wasn't expected. It maybe was. Uh, in the realm of possibility, and as we got, and as we hadn't heard that he had picked up the option, maybe it seemed more and more likely that it, that it was a possibility. But if you ex- if you say you you expected this, you are lying. This is some hindsight BS. And here's why I say you're lying: because Rodney Hood tore his Achilles a year ago, a little less than a year ago, but you know, 350 days ago, and. Essentially, all of the prevailing wisdom suggested that he would he wouldn't have a particularly strong market, and he would ha- and he would you know this meant he would pick up his player option because of because of the injury would compromise the situation. That was before COVID nineteen. That was before the coronavirus and the pandemic and the bubble and all this other stuff um, that has impacted NBA finances. So the idea that, you know, people saw this coming to me is total BS. Uh, I don't know why I'm burning that straw man down. That's just where the beginning of the segment went. I'm getting off my notes, y'all. But I think the big, the big thing here is that this doesn't mean that Rodney Hood is gone. There are two things that Rodney Hood could be doing. One, he sees that it is a really weak wing market. He's a year removed from Achilles' injury. He feels totally fine. In fact, Neil Olshay told uh, NBC Sports Northwest that Hood is Hood is beyond rehab, and he's now just kind of back to to you know getting his body ready to play in the NBA. He's like he's moved beyond that process um, at this point, and he's he's just preparing to be back playing basketball again. So outside of rehab, because again, he's you know he's a full year removed from from the injury. Usually it was taking guys between eight and 10 months. Hood, Hood's going to have over a year before the NBA season starts. So I don't think the, the concern wasn't that he was going to miss time. It's just sort of what, what, how much of the old Rodney Hood could he get back? He wasn't a guy who relied a ton on athleticism. He's a shooter, a spot up guy. You'd think that uh, for the most part, he could um, replicate what he was to some extent, or at least a, a good deal of it. So like I said, perhaps a healthy Rodney Hood, this, this, a fully healthy Rodney Hood looked at the wing market with his agent and said, you know what? We can get more than $6 million in this market. We can go play for a really good team. We can get the, like, you know, close to full mid-level type money, $7 million, $8 million a year, get a, get a raise and all that. That's definitely a possibility, certainly something that could be happening. But I think... But why I don't think Hood is necessarily gone is because the the team most likely to value Rodney Hood is the team that he's already he was just on as of this morning. No team knows his health better than the Portland Trailblazers. He's been in the facility rehabbing. He's been around the team rehabbing since it immediately happened. He he's not one of those guys who you know went to Colorado to rehab it. Uh, you know, two miles up or went to LA because that's where he lives in the off season or went back home to Mississippi. He was in Portland rehabbing. He's been here basically the whole time working with the Blazers staff to get better. So no one has a better sense of where he's at physically than the Blazers. And I think a very reasonable scenario for Rodney Hood is that he's opting out to sign for a multi-year contract with the Blazers. The Blazers have his early bird rights, which means they can sign him, but they can go over the cap and sign him. They can't give him a massive um, upgrade. They could start his contract about $10 million a year. Uh, paying Rodney Hood $10 million a year would be uh, a great deal for, uh, quite a quite a deal for old Rodney Hood. Uh, I don't know if it's a 
great team deal um, to give him a pay raise coming off the Achilles injury. But if you can keep him around and sign him to you know a couple years because you think you again the no one has as much information about his health in the Blazers, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad if Rodney Hood gets a gets a raise coming off the Achilles injury. It would be really surprising though. Because you remember last summer, he didn't have a great, he didn't have a huge market. You know, he probably did take a pay cut to come back to Portland where he said he was happy and he, and maybe he could have pursued other options and play on worse teams and made more money. But he said he wanted to come back here and he took, he basically took all of the money the Blazers had left to, to re-sign with the team. So he wanted to be back here. It would be, it would be quite, quite interesting if Rodney Hood made more money coming off the Achilles injury than he did as a unrestricted free agent prior to the Achilles injury. That would be a stunning turn of events. But I don't think it's that, I don't, maybe he's not signing for more money. Maybe he's just signing for, you know, maybe he's opting for just more security, longer term deal somewhere, either Portland or elsewhere. But I don't think him opting out is a signal that he's leaving Portland. I think it's a signal that he is not interested in playing on a one-year deal. I think that's the signal it is. Uh, the Blazers can, like I said, they can go, with this bird rights, they can go over the cap and they can still keep the mid-level exception, the biannual exception, still have their traded player exception. They can still sign minimum guys. He's, this doesn't really impact them financially too much. They can give Rodney Hood a raise, I think, up to, like I said, $10 million, but you know more than the $6 million he was making. They can sign him to a multi-year contract. This could end up working out be- well for both sides. Uh, I don't think it's reason to panic, but I do think there's a chance that this was the last we saw of Rodney Hood was when he got hurt. I'll miss him. One of my favorite dudes to hang... If he's not coming back, I'll miss him. One of my favorite dudes to chat with in the locker room. Um, but you know we'll cross that bridge should it happen that way. All right, let's come back in the third segment and talk about schedules. The NBA has released its official schedule for the 2020-2021. You know, we talked about this as a, as a timeline, but now we've got official dates. And most interesting to me, the the new outline of what the play-in tournament is going to be like. So let's talk about what this what this strange season in the NBA is going to look like when we get back after the break. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. Shout out to Dre Slaps for the music. Follow him on Instagram at WowSlaps or visit his website, DreSlaps.com. Appreciate you, Dre. Support local music, everybody. It's Portland's own, Dre Slaps. Talked about the Robert Covington signing. We talked about Rodney Hood. It's been heavy on Portland wings. If both those dudes are back, the Blazers are going to be a lot better than they were last season. If it's just Robert Covington, the Blazers are already improved. I don't think Rodney Hood is gone, but Rodney Hood gave himself the opportunity to leave. Players earn free agency by being in the league long enough. He has earned his right to choose. So whether Rodney Hood is back or not, The NBA knows what it's going to look like. The league released a schedule today or a sort of a preliminary outline of what the schedule is going to look like and a timeline. And here's how it's going to work. Season starts on December 22nd, 72 games. We knew that already. Each team is going to play three games against uh, intra-conference opponents. So the Blazers will play each team in the West three times and they will play each team in the East two times, one road game and one home game. So they will visit every team in the East. I thought that was maybe something they wouldn't do it, but the Blazers will play uh, all the Eastern Conference teams on the road. They'll play all the Western Conference teams three times each. 
because the uh, Western Conference opponents are going to be, you know, three games, so it's it's uneven. The league has randomly assigned who gets two road and who gets two home. That's going to create some real unba- imbalance. You know, you if you play at Denver twice and only home against them once, that's a bummer. At Utah twice and only home against them once, that's a bummer. Uh, but you know, that's that's just the way the, it shakes out. Also, I think the I think the season is long enough that those. Um, those imbalances, they don't always even out, but I don't think they matter as much as sort of when you look at the season as a whole, you start screaming about. Obviously, the West is going to be really, really close, so maybe schedule imbalances are going to be something that we can get more upset about this year, but I'm I'm not willing right now to sort of um, to blow a gasket or whatever. Um, one interesting setup for the way that they're that they are approaching this is that the the actual schedule of games is going to be released in two segments. So the first half of the schedule will be released around the start of training camp, which is December 1st, and the second half of the season like the second half plan, it already mapped out, but the second half plan will be released during sort of the latter half of those first 36 games. And that's because they're playing during a pandemic, y'all. There's going to be cancellations because of sickness. It's just inevitable. If you're outside of the bubble, it's going to happen. It's happened in all the other sports. It happened in baseball. It happened in MLS. It ha- it's happening in football. Um, it's just, it's unavoidable. So they, they're, they're going to create this sort of um, makeup setup where they won't announce the second half until later into the season once they realize how where and how they're going to reschedule games this is the harsh reality of our world there's still going to be an all-star break there's just no all-star game but from march 5th to march 10th that'll be the break between the first half and the second half of the season guys will get a week off you know, uh, bummer for Indianapolis if they were, if you know, locals in Indianapolis really excited to see the All-Star game and All-Star Saturday night and all that stuff. But um, it's not happening. They'll get it in the future. This time it'll just be the All-Star break will just be a break. Uh, they'll, I, they'll name All-Star teams, just no game. The big thing for me, though, is that there's a play-in for it. Is there's a play-in tournament. We knew there was going to be a play-in tournament. Uh, they had... They, they did something similar to this in the bubble, and I thought it was really good, but they have changed the format here. Uh, the Board of Governors and the Players Association approved uh, sort of a one-year trial basis of this tournament, but I would, I would be surprised if they got rid of it because I think it's going to get eyeballs, and eyeballs is what the league wants. But the playing tournament is going to look a little different this year. This is how it works. It'll take place at the once the regular season ends, and the regular season is going to wrap up on May 16th, so you go December, uh, preseason starts second week of December, uh, December 11th, it runs until the 19th, season starts in on December 22nd, we go to the All-Star break, that's March 5th through 10th, then the season comes back on March 11th, and it runs, regular season will end May 16th, followed by, obviously, COVID delays and all this stuff could push it back a couple of days, but this is, this is, this is what's in in the books right now. So uh, May 18th through 21st, we're going to have a play-in tournament prior to the start of the playoffs. And, the, and the, here is how it's going to work. At the end of the regular season, the 7th and 8th place team will play against one, of, one another. And whoever wins the 7-8 game, they're 7, they're in. Then the 9th and 10th teams will play. And the winner of that game 
will face off against the loser of the 7-8 team, of the 8th seed now. And whoever wins that game between the 9-10 winner and and the 8th team gets the 8th seed for the playoffs. And let me tell you, this seems unfair. (laughs) It seems unfair. You could finish in 10th, like four and a half games out of 7th, and uh, end up 8th by virtue of winning two games. Uh, the season is so long and it rewards you for being good for a long time. And then we're going to play single elimination games to get there, man. It's going to be fun. Like it's going to be, if you're, if you have, a, if you're in 11th and you're battling in 10th and you get hot and you win a couple games to make the playoffs, that's fun. It's going to, it's going to create intrigue, but it doesn't seem fair. Um, life and basketball is not fair, but I, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I love this setup. I think some version of a play-in tournament is is pretty good, but I um, it feels unfair to the seventh the seventh place team. You know, if they're if they're well ahead in seventh place to get dropped out of the playoffs potentially by losing two games, um, it's it seems it it just it's not it doesn't seem fair, y'all. I think it'll be fun. I'll watch the hell out of it, um, but it's it doesn't seem like the best way to choose your your playoff teams. In any case, whoever, you know, 7th and 8th are going to play two, 1 and 2 in the Western Conference or 1 and one and 2 in the Eastern Conference, those teams are going to be really good and probably just steamroll you right out of the playoffs and you'll forget how dumb the play-in tournament was. Kind of like um, when the Blazers got steamrolled by the Lakers and you forgot how darn good they were in the bubble prior to that. So you probably won't be talking about fairness. You'll be talking about playoff losses by the end of it. I think the play-in format is intriguing. Um, I don't love it. And... Uh, just reading those dates, I'm ready for some basketball. But first, got to get through the NBA draft, which as you're listening to this happens Wednesday evening. Or maybe if you're in another country, I don't know how the international dateline works. So if you're my Australian listeners, I don't know what day the NBA draft is for y'all, but it's going to be in the same 24-hour period that this podcast comes out. After the Blazers make their pick or do whatever they do, they have the 46th pick in the draft. They also could make some trades, get involved, whatever, whatever. I will break down what happened for you in this very space. So look for that after the draft tomorrow evening. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.